What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Build Different Project. This is episode number 002. And today I'm going to be interviewing myself. Pretty much, this is my story who I am, where I'm from. Thought it'd be pretty cool to actually, you know, dive into into me because I think a lot of you guys probably know me from my Instagram. You don't really know exactly who I am, where I'm from. So before we get into it, let's roll the intro. There were no robots. It didn't matter. I was built different. There was no easy path. There was no easy way. I had to pave a way. I had to make a way. And at the end of the day, I was built different. I even win or I learn. I don't fail. What is good, guys? Josh Bermo here, back with my second ever podcast. Like I said, I am still very, very new at this, so bear with me. Um, if there's any little, you know, pauses or gaps in it, it's probably just me trying to get my breath back from talking. It's so, so weird, you know, talking to myself with actually no one across the table. So keen to get some guests on, but for now, let's just dive into me and who I am and what I'm about, okay? So yes, my name is Josh Bermo. What am I now? I'm an online trainer, an online fitness trainer. I'm a content creator. Um, I do YouTube videos and fitness content for, you know, nutrition, um, training advice, and all that sort of stuff. Um, I'm now a podcaster, obviously. I'm the host of this podcast, The Built Different Project, and the newly established owner slash director of a clothing brand, clothing fitness apparel brand called The 4AM Collective. Um, But that, like I said, that is me who I am now. But I really want to dive into who I am before this, where I'm from, Um, my upbringing, and sort of what's led me to be where I am today. So I grew up in a small town in country New South Wales called Warren. Um, If you've never heard of Warren, I think a lot of you guys will probably know of Dubbo or at least have heard of Dubbo. It's about um, 500 k's plus west of Sydney. So it's a tiny little town out in the middle of nowhere. I think there's about 2,000 people that live there at the moment. Um... It's basically just a little farming town. There's nothing too crazy in terms of industry there. It's just a little, quiet, nice country town. Um, uh, I am one of five children. I'm the oldest of five children. Um, you know, we we're all born and raised in, in Warren. And my mum and dad, my mum, Cheryl, my dad, Mark, um, and my siblings, Ali, Emma, Aiden. And my little baby sister, Mia. Um, Dad's a concreter, builder by trade. Mum has had a few jobs. She's, at the moment, a teacher's aide. Um, But that's pretty much my little fam back in Warren. Um, My life as a kid was pretty good. Like, I was a typical, you know, country kid. Um, Fishing, uh, pig hunting. I know a lot of people probably cringe about that, but... Um, that's what I pretty, that's what we did. That's what country kids do when they're growing up, you know, camping, swimming in the river, running amok wherever we could, wherever we could get away with it. Um, working with my dad, um, going to school, you know, normal kid stuff, I guess, normal kid stuff for, you know, like I said, a country kid, just sort of doing my own thing, loving life, um, taking every day as it comes pretty much, um, Sport was always a massive, massive thing for me. Like, I did everything that I could, every sport that I could. That is, like, I was super, super competitive. I had to win or at least had to be up there, like, pushing myself as, as much as I could. 
Um, and I think that's carried on, you know, throughout my life. I mean, even competitive now with my mates, my girlfriends, my brothers and sisters, like I have to win. I think it's just something that's, you know, been bred into me, I guess. Um, although I did play every sport, as I just said, like footy, rugby league was always my number one. Like I lived and breathed footy. Like every game that I could watch, I did watch. I was out in the backyard, um, you know, kicking the footy, playing footy with myself, playing for the kangaroos or playing for the roosters as I went for at the time, kicking the winning field goal or slotting the (laughs) conversion from the sideline, um, in between two trees that I sort of imagined as a goalpost. So just normal, everyday kid shit. Um, I went to school at St. Mary's Warren, a little Catholic school um, in Warren. There was about 120 kids in the whole school. Um, but I loved it. I loved my childhood. I loved, you know, my growing up. I think I really, really appreciate that I grew up in a country town. I grew up on a farm, so we have like 60 acres um, out, just about a couple of k's out of Warren. So like I said... Grew up on the river, grew up, you know, doing sheep work, um, the little bit that I did, you know, riding motorbikes, um, fishing, all that sort of stuff. So I've always been a pretty outdoorsy sort of person um, and that sort of lifestyle is pretty con- like contrasting to what I am now. Like I'm a, you know, like I said, a fitness content creator, podcast, all this sort of stuff. So very, very big difference in terms of how I grew up. But nonetheless, I love my childhood um, and I, there's nothing I would change about that, so to speak. When I sort of tr- transitioned from, you know, primary school into high school, I ended up actually going to boarding school um, in Farrah, which is in Tamworth, country New South Wales. Still a big town. I think there's like, I think from the top of my head, maybe like 40,000 people there. So it's it's a big town um, for a country town, but I absolutely love Tamworth and I love Farrah. Um, Farrah is a agricultural high school it's a public boarding school and it's like the school that a lot of kids in sort of that rural New South Wales area actually go to um but like I said I loved it like my boarding school days were some of the best days of my life so far um I know a lot of people especially like you know people from the city and stuff like that that have access to like schools that are just up the road like when they think about boarding school they think why would you ever, ever, ever want to go to boarding school? And to, to, to us, to me and my mates that went there, like it was literally like you got to think about it as you hang around your best mates 24-7, like eat together, sleep together, run amok together, chase girls together, everything that you do, you're doing with your mates. So like it was literally the best time of my life thus far in terms of enjoyment um, because I was just living carefree. I, all I cared about was, you know, playing footy and then going down the river with my mates, swimming, a little bit of naughty stuff on the side, partying or whatever, but I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it and I can't, you know, speak highly highly enough of that school and the people that I met and the mates that I made there. Like, it's literally turned me into who that I am today, um, that, that school. So I was there, I went there in year eight and year nine and then year 10, I think, was where my true sort of hustle I guess to so to speak or hard working side of me sort of started to shine through so like as I said football like rugby league was my my passion my dream it was pretty much my whole life and year 10 was where I really started to take it seriously I started you know getting up early like getting up at five running 
you know, training as much as I could, doing extras, all the extras that I could. And like at boarding school or at high school, um, those big schools sort of have what's called a first 13. So it's, you know, the top school in the top team, sorry, in the school um, that, that gets to represent that school in like any of the rugby league competitions, such as like GO Cup, some people would know of, or um, I think it'd probably be equivalent to like GSP, GPS, rugby, or whatever it's exactly it's called. I'm not sure of the name, I'm sorry, but so it's pretty much, you know, the main team for the school. And in year 10, like I, I really, really tried so hard to, to make that team, and I was lucky enough to make it. And I think I was just like so truly blessed that I had made that team so young because like the, te- the players that I had around me were so much older, so much better, and like, it made me grow so much as a person and also as a footy player. Like I was literally living the dream of any like year 10 sort of kid could. Like I was, I had a girlfriend at the time, so I was loving that sort of side of my life. Um, I was hanging around my mates all the time. I was playing the best footy that I could possibly be playing with, like, my literal best mate. So I was loving life, and that was all that sort of mattered to me, um, training hard, playing hard, winning. We, we had a really good team. Um, and like I said, I'm absolutely very, very lucky and blessed to have been a part of that team because it sort of helped me transition into where I am today. So during that year, I was lucky enough to make a few rep teams. Um, I made Country New South Wales. And then, luckily enough, I got picked up by the West Tigers to, you know, move down to Sydney and sort of try and take my footy career a little bit further. Um, So it was a massive, massive decision, you know, leaving my mates, um, leaving the school that I loved, you know, moving to a place that I'd very ever, like, rarely been to at all, let alone live there. So it was a massive, massive change, but I knew um, that... If I wanted to play NRL or I wanted to, you know, take my footy further, I knew that I needed to do it. So even though there was a massive decision and it was really hard for me at the time, I chose to move. So I packed up my life pretty much, packed up all my stuff, and I moved to Sydney to play with the West Tigers or play SG Ball at the time for, for Balmain Tigers. Um, and all I can say is that, like, a culture shock is an under-exaggeration. So, like, I really, really, really struggled when I first moved to Sydney. Like, I knew no one. I didn't have any mates here. Um, footy hadn't started yet. So I was there for, like, I know, I think a couple of weeks before um, pre-season started. And then even once pre-season started, I was very alone. I just, I didn't, I, I didn't feel like myself. I, I'd gone from, like I said, being with my mates 24-7, having like the time of my life to pretty much being by myself. I, I moved in with a host family. Um, they were a little bit older. They were really good. Um, you know, they tried everything they could to sort of like to provide a good sort of space for me and I could have my own room and my own bathroom and that sort of stuff. But going from being around my mates, as I said, 24-7 and having the time of my life to sort of being with a, a host family that I didn't really know in a city that I didn't really know with no mates at all, it, it really rocked me. Like, I got to the point where I was, you know, hating my life that much. I'd, I'd lay in my bed and cry at night because I just hated being there so much. I wasn't enjoying, like, training because I just knew that I, I had to go home and, and be by myself again 
Um, and I got to the point where I sort of said to my manager and like my parents, I said like, I, I, can't, I can't do this anymore. Um, I, I want to come home. And like, that was a massive thing for me because all I'd done for the last, you know, sort of two years was like work my ass off to get into that place. But I was just so unhappy in the situation that I was in um, that I sort of was ready to, to throw that away, I guess. And I think the only thing that sort of saved me um, from moving back was one of my best mates, Justin, Justin Frayne and his family, they offered for me to go and live there. And like, even to this day, I'll never, ever be able to repay them in terms of gratitude because there's no way that I would be here in Sydney. And I don't think I would ever be doing the things that I'm doing if it wasn't for them, you know, allowing me to come and live with them and sort of take me in as one of their own. Like, like I said, I, I was hating my life so, so, so much. I can't, like, it, it actually makes me feel a little bit sick in the stomach, think, like, talking about it. But um, without them and without them taking me in and letting me live there and providing for me, providing a, a family for me to, you know, almost call my own, um, I know that there's no way that I'll be here doing what I'm doing. So if any of you guys are listening, I want to just, again, I can never, ever repay you enough. And I'm so, so grateful for you guys allowing me to come in and, uh, and looking after me. So I appreciate it so, so much. Um, but anyway, so then things sort of started to turn around for me. So I started, you know, playing footy. I started getting some good mates at Holy Cross at, at in Ride where I was going. I did hate that school, by the way. It was not that it was a bad school. It was actually a really good school. But in terms of the contrast between Farah and Holy Cross is just like, it's undescribable. Like we were a bunch of country kids, you know, running around, um, going down the river, fishing and whatever. And like it was already enough of a culture shock to me being in Sydney anyway. But then it, like going to Holy Cross is just so different, you know, tie and blazer all the time, very strict. Um, it had to like you study religion, go to mass and all that stuff. So it was a massive um, sort of change and hard time being in Holy at Holy Cross because I didn't really like the school that much. But I just love playing footy. I love playing footy with those boys, and some of those boys now are, you know, some of my really good friends. Um, but I managed to sort of, you know, get through school. I was pretty good in school in terms of like the schoolwork. I, I was, I'm lucky enough that I don't have to try too hard um, in terms of academics, and I, I can go okay. Um, I studied pretty hard, um, got a pretty good ATAR, and then decided to go to uni. Um, I went to UNSW in Kensington and started studying construction management during the same time like my SJ ball career didn't go you know as good as I would have liked um, we went okay in terms of our team but my own individual performance wasn't you know was what I was hoping for wasn't what I think other people were expecting either so I was sort of down on that but I managed to you know get another contract with West Tigers and then sort of move into into 20s and under 20s there which again my under-20s career wasn't the best either. I I learned a lot. I played some good footy, but it wasn't really – didn't really go to the go to plan the way I would have liked to. But during this time was really the birth of my entrepreneurial side of me. So, like, I started reading books. Um, I think our strength and conditioning coach, as he gave me the Barefoot Investor book um, that I read, and it really sort of started to kickstart – you know, me thinking differently about money, about life, about what I want to do, about, you know, what I should be doing to set myself up for the rest of my life. So while I was going on, you know, 
with uni. Just again, luckily enough, I'm, I have enough of an academic brain so that I can sort of just do the bare minimum in terms of the material and I can still pass. Like I was just, luckily for me, going to the first sort of lesson for each course of my uni and then not going for the rest of the semester. And just luckily enough that I had enough general knowledge on, you know, construction because, as I said, my dad's a builder, um, that I was pretty lucky that I could just sort of sort of scrape through um, with doing the bare minimum because I was still at the time really, really focusing on footy. Um, so during this time, I got a girlfriend, um, like at the end of under-20s, and sort of my things sort of changed. I Like, I... I fell out of love with footy. I was doing it so much. wasn't really getting where I wanted to go. And I was still trying to hold on because I knew deep down that I, even though, sorry, even that I knew deep down I didn't really want to do it, I think I was scared of, you know, letting people down that had helped me get to where I was. And also, you know, I'd, I'd know, I knew that I'd worked so, so hard to get, to get to that point that I felt like I was throwing it away. Um, but I I sort of developed a new love, and that was for you know, for learning and for business business and investing, and I think that actually sort of you know started to overtake my love and my passion for footy. I still loved being around my mates. I still loved you know winning when we were winning, um, but my true passion sort of becoming this you know personal development. Um, I really really got stuck into gym and all that sort of stuff, and it started to overtake that footy. So. By the end of the twenty, by the end of the twenties, like I knew that footy wasn't what I wanted to do anymore. I was still playing. I went on to uh, to play with Wentworthville Magpies, and again, some of the best mates I have are uh, from me playing there. But the whole time I was there, I knew I didn't want to play footy anymore. All right, like I did it because I was getting paid to do it, um, but it, it just wasn't the passion that I used to have for it. And I also knew that. What I was doing at uni really wasn't me. Like it was very, very easy for me to do and it would have been a great job and, you know, I would have made great money but I knew that I didn't want to do it. I knew that it wasn't going to be something that sort of, you know, made me passionate to get up and go to work every day. So I was a little bit stuck. I was talking to my girlfriend and sort of saying, like telling her this and she was just sort of saying, you know, you do what you got to do. You do what you got to do, whatever you it is that you want to do chase that and I was a little bit scared to be honest scared of you know I guess scared of judgment scared of failing um, to try anything new so I just kept you know poking through um, uni doing what I, I needed to do and then I happened to read one book you know that that literally it's honestly changed my life and I can't even describe how much it's changed my life the book is called Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Now, I'm sure a lot of you know who David Goggins is. Um, he's a you know an ultra marathon runner, an ex Navy SEAL, and a bad motherfucker in in his own terms. So, I read this book, and like I said, it honestly changed my life. It realized, it made me think that like, you know, we are capable of so much more than we think that we are. Where we're at in life is nowhere near our potential and it it changed everything for me like I started waking up at like four in the morning going to the gym um, reading every day I really just like developed his stay hard mentality and I think that I've sort of you know obviously not to the extreme that he he has it but I've kept it you know 
everything that I do in life now, I do it 100%. I don't have the ability to take things semi-seriously. I'm either 100% in, you know, balls deep for a lack of a better word, and just going as hard as I possibly can to achieve what it is that I want to achieve. And I can honestly, like, you know, put that all back onto reading that one book. So I am forever grateful for David Goggins. I know that sounds weird, but I'm forever grateful that for that book because it's literally shaped me into who or started shaping me into who I am today. Um, and then, like, once I started to really get into that stuff, I really started to take gym seriously like I was loving going to the gym I was loving you know trying different things in terms of my nutrition Um, I was loving seeing my body change and with that sort of started coming you know I was actually watching fitness youtubers Um, Zach Perna you probably heard of Rob Lipset was the massive one for me Um, while I was going to uni um, you know and I was still working on the side obviously had a couple different jobs I was working in disability care some you know delivery driving stuff I was helping my dad with his construction business um, so like I had a fair bit of spare time on my hands and I was watching a lot of fitness YouTubers and like I literally fell in love with it. Like this one guy in particular, Rob Lipset, is like doing vlogs of himself, you know, living in Ireland, going around to gyms, eating cool food, driving fast cars. Um, and like I was obsessed. I watched it every night and I just knew I had this gut feeling inside me that that's what I wanted to do. That's who I wanted to be. I wanted to live that lifestyle. I wanted to live that lifestyle that I loved, that I could call work and, you know, and, and do the things that I wanted to do every day. I wanted to do it and I just, I didn't know how. I, I, I was scared, obviously, scared about failing, scared about doing something that's, you know, so different from all the things that I've normally done. Um, and it's weird and, like, I'm a little bit embarrassed to say that, like, when I was in high school, I was probably a bit of that dickhead guy that, you know, gave people shit for for being different or I was never a bully or anything like that but I think that I was a little bit cocky probably a little bit arrogant um and you know people that you would have normally done that stuff or the stuff that I do now I probably would have had a you know a sly comment to say so I don't like that but that's who I used to be and that like you know little kid side of me was telling me like don't do it don't be a dickhead like why are you going to do these things just you know go to uni, get that job, make good money and whatever. But that really kept me up at night. Like I used to lay in bed and just and think about it and think about it and it would get to like, you know, 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning and I'd be still up excited about thinking, excited about, you know, potentially being able to live that as a lifestyle. And like this kept going on, you know, for weeks and weeks and months and months and I kept going, oh, I'll, I'll start it this time and I'll, I'll start it next year, I'll do this and then... COVID-19 hits, okay? I'm not exactly sure what the date was in terms of when that was, but during that whole COVID time where, you know, we were locked in the house, um, couldn't go to uni, and I couldn't work, all this sort of stuff, it came to the very real realisation that I just didn't want to rely on other people for money. I didn't want to have to get a paycheck. I didn't want to have to, you know, go to work every day at a job that I hated, I sort of realized that, like, you know, you have to work for 50-plus years of your life. Like, I would much rather do something that I love, even if it's something scary and it's going to be really hard to get there, than do something that's, you know, a guaranteed paycheck that's just okay and that's not really fulfilling to me. So during that time, during, like, the whole COVID lockdown time, I, I just sort of really reverse-engineered what I wanted to do. And 
I said to myself, you know, what's something that I love doing every day that I wish I could get paid for? And I'd already been doing it, you know. It was waking up, going to the gym, hanging out with my mates, eating food, hanging out with my girlfriend, doing the things that I love just on a day-to-day basis. So I thought, how how can I do this as a job? And this sort of, you know, automatically switched to me thinking, you know, these guys are these fitness, you know, entrepreneurs, fitness YouTubers, I'm going to do that, okay? I didn't know how, I didn't have a plan, I had no sort of, you know, knowledge in content creation, in running a business, in any of that stuff, but I knew that it was what I wanted to do. So rather than, you know, wait and learn, I just I jumped headfirst into it. I started, I started vlogging, I started taking, you know, some fitness content, which was like I look back at it now and it, it, it makes me cringe a little bit, the photos and the content that I was putting up. But I was just, you know, running, going with the flow. Like I said, I had no idea how I was going to get there, but I knew I was going in the right direction. So I sort of started, you know, doing meal plans, um, doing training plans, all that sort of stuff, you know, based off the knowledge that I'd learnt myself, based off the um, a couple university courses that I did while I was studying construction and then just all the sort of stuff that I picked up along the way through footy and whatever. And like, I, I'm a big researcher, I'm a big learner. So like during that time, I was like doing so much study and so much research on that stuff that it sort of took over, took over my life really. Now, um, like I said, my first post on Instagram, I think it was 21st of September, 2020. So it was a massive, massive deal for me. Like I knew just how ex- like nervous and excited at the same time I was to do that stuff, so I put that post out, and like, you know, obviously people, it was a really good reaction from people, and I knew that like, once I'd done it, it was accountability for me, I had to keep doing it, and I sort of just said, I sat down with my goals, and I sort of said, all right, I'm going to launch, you know, JBM, which is the Josh Bermo Method now, I'm going to launch that in January 2021, okay, I'm going to give it 18 months, I'm going to do whatever it is it takes to get it to a point where it can be my job. Now, if after 18 months of pure sacrifice, hard work, you know, dedication, determination, if I haven't got there, then I will, you know, go and do my construction or do something else that I like or, you know, sort of sort of give that dream up and just get on with life. So I knew that if I wanted to get there um, within that time, like I had to hustle, I had to work and like... I'm I'm glad that I was so naive naive into what it was going to take because if I think I think if I knew how much work and how much effort and how much sacrifice I would have had to put in to get where I am, there's no way in the world that I would have done it. Okay, so like from January of this year, like up until you know maybe a month ago, I think my routine every day was. 4am, wake up, I would work from 4 until 5 in the morning, either writing nutrition plans or writing programs, um, trying to make infographics, that sort of stuff. From 5 to 6, I would go to the gym, because obviously, you know, that was the most important thing to me, um, going to the gym and doing, you know, I had to look good, I had to feel good, and that was one thing that I always promised myself that no matter how busy I got, I would always, always make gym and my own health my first priority. So I'd go to the gym from um, from five until six, and then I would go home, have breakfast, and go straight to work. So I was obviously working full time at the time um, at Giant Steps, which is like a disability 
um, care um, day school, I guess you would call it. So I'd work from there until eight, from eight until four in the afternoon. I would go home, get home at about five, and then I would literally sit in front of my computer um, and work until, you know, 10.30 at 11 at night. Um, like writing meal plans, messaging people, editing content, um, sort of just working it out as I, as I went. Um, I'd, I'd cook meal prep on a Sunday so that I had my whole week worth of meal prep. Shout out to my boy Mitchie Hyde um, and Ash. You know, we, we hustled those Sundays getting those um, meal preps done, but it, it helped me, you know. It gave me that extra half an hour, 45 minutes of a night to do the work that I needed to. So this literally went on for, I, I think, like six months straight. Like I didn't see anyone. I didn't go anywhere. I didn't spend any time with my girlfriend. I didn't go home to see my family. I didn't go and hang out with my mates. I just I, I worked on my day job and then I worked on JBM. Every single day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, without fail, no matter what. Like, you literally could not pull me away from the front of my computer. And I was just lucky that it was something that I loved to do because it even even though that it was, like, it was a fucking grind and, like, I look back at it now and I don't even know how I did it, but I loved it. I loved doing the things that I was doing and it made it feel like it really wasn't work. So, like I said, that happened for a good six months and I... And I I decided that I needed new time. I needed more time, rather. So I quit my day job and I took up a night shift job. Now, I was doing the same sort of work, but instead of, you know, Monday to Friday, I'd now worked weekends and overnight. So I would do my work through the week, um, Monday, you know, to Friday, obviously, like, doing my fitness stuff all day. There still was pretty much the same routine, but then I would work all weekend, Friday night, Saturday night, some Sundays, um, just to, you know, get enough money to live um, while I was putting as much effort as I possibly could into into JBM. And, you know, I was growing slowly. I was starting to, you know, you know, get some more clients and this sort of stuff. But it obviously just wasn't – it still wasn't where I needed to be for it to be full-time. Um, and that's when COVID-2, I guess I'm going to call it, COVID-2 hits. And, again, everything goes back into lockdown Um like people losing their jobs, I couldn't work, you know, gyms were closed, so no one was signing up, all this sort of stuff. Um, and again, I just, I had that massive, you know, sick feeling in my stomach that, man, I did not want to have to rely on anyone else for a paycheck. Like everything's going great. I'm making some money off JBM. I've got a good job, but I want to do me. I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to, again, rely on people. You know, I don't want it to be, a snap of a finger or a lockdown and I lose my job and I have no income. So I had this in the back of my head and it was sort of a big junction to where I came to, you know, in my life that I knew this is the time that was either going to make or break JBM and make or break my goals and my dreams for JBM. And it was at that time that I sort of said to myself, you know, I've either got to go all in or I've got to, you know, pull the pin and, work on something different and I said to myself I'm, I'm fucking going all in there's no I'm, I'm making this work no matter what now a normal side hustle would be sort of you know keep side hustling you know your side hustle so to speak until you're making more money than you are in your day job and then you can quit your day job but I just something inside me was telling me you need to focus your 100% energy 
onto JBM with no other distractions. So, you know, contradictory to what everyone had said to me and everything that I'd learned and everything that, you know, was the safe thing to do, I sort of said to myself, fuck it. I'm quitting my job. I'm not getting another job. I'm making JBM work no matter what. So it was a massive thing. So, so scary. Um, But like, you know, I knew that high risk, hopefully high reward as long as I put in the work. So I knew, I just said, I'm not getting a job. I took a screenshot of my notes. I mean, I said it as my wallpaper and all it read was, there is no plan B. And that's the attitude that I've had since I've done it, that I need to make this work. Otherwise, I can't live can't survive, I can't make money, Um, there is no plan B, JBM has to work. And for some like weird reason, I don't know what you want to call it, whether it be law of attraction or, you know, um, fate or whatever it is, it was as soon as I made that decision, you know, internally and externally, I I told people that that's what I was doing, I didn't get another job, I stopped working and did JBM only, like, that's where JBM just like, it's like almost like a click of the fingers and JBM started to grow, you know, massively and immensely. It was like the universe was telling me that it was the right decision, that like that pure growth happened once I took that leap, um, let go of the plan B, let go of, you know, the safety net because it's just, it, you know, put me up further and further, you know, with each week. That comes, um, I'm growing as a person, JBM is growing as a business, I'm, I get to help more people. So that was a massive thing. And, you know, that's it's been, I think, a little bit over a month, probably like two months now since, since that's happened. And, like, I can happily and proudly say that, like, I'm legitimately living my dream life now. I know it's still really, really early days. Um, I said I was going to give myself 18 months to make this a job, and, you know, I've done it in sort of 10. So... I'm extremely proud of that. Um, I get to wake up and do what I love literally every single day. And, you know, it's my job. It's my life. And I'm so, so grateful to be in this position. Um, I'm grateful for my JBM members. I'm grateful for the people that have helped me. I'm grateful for for Ash for holding the camera when she didn't want to and helping me, you know, write meal plan documents and all that sort of stuff, Um, you know, where I am today is literally the goal that I wanted to be, where I wanted to be, you know, a year ago or a year and a half ago when I was watching those YouTube videos thinking that stuff, like that's what I want to be. So like I said, I'm extremely grateful for where where I am now, where I've got to and obviously people see and I get these messages all the time like, man, it looks like you're killing it, you're going so well, you look like you're killing it, going so well and I know that like on the outside looking in it seems like that but I really wish that there could have been a spy on the wall there with me for that like, you know, six, seven, eight month period where I was living off, you know, three hours sleep, three or four hours sleep a night and like grinding every single day. But I wouldn't change it for the world. Like I said, I'm glad I'm, I've am i done it. I'm glad that I'm here now. Um, like I said, I've got JBM at a point where it's going really well and I can't, can't wait to continue to grow it. Um, this podcast is another massive thing for me. It's something that I've wanted to do for a long time and I'm, I'm glad that I'm finally in a position where I have enough time and the resources to do it. So I really want to grow this and help as many people as I can. And I've also just started the 4AM Collective. So something else that I'm really, really excited about. Um, I really want to grow that and turn it into something really, really special. But as for now, that's pretty much my story. 
to date. Um, really keen for the journey ahead, and, I, and I'm, I'm glad that I've done the things that I'm that I've done, and I, I appreciate all the help and support that I've, you know, received from people along the way. That's enough of the deep and meaningful stuff. I uh, thank you guys for listening. I've got a couple final questions that. I'm going to give to all of my guests, so I thought it was only fitting that I do them for myself. I'm going to ask these questions to everyone at the end. Um, just, you know, a little bit of fun, a little bit of a nice way to finish the podcast, okay? So, question number one, what is my death row meal? Now, if people don't know, death row meal, if you're on death row, you know, you're sentenced to life in prison or you're sentenced to death, you get one final meal before that happens um so i want to ask everyone i'm keen to see what everyone's is mine would be a wagyu steak something like a perfect you know seven score marbling something hectic that just melts in your mouth potato bake a bit of snitty on the side with a wombok chinese salad plus this is absolutely essential those little crusty dinner rolls with heaps of butter on them that (laughs) that you get you know at family dinners or at christmas time then on the side Tequila on the rocks. Now, that's, I know that's going to sound super weird, and it is. I don't know why, but I have this obsession with tequila. Like, I literally love the taste of tequila. Like, an expensive tequila in a glass with just a lemon wedge and ice, and I'll just sip that all day. I love it. Question number two. Do you have any regrets, like, from when you started, or what would you have done differently? And I've actually thought about this a lot and, you know, I don't have any regrets at all, but the only thing that I wish I would have done different was I wish I started as soon as I had the idea. You know, I I sat on the idea for six months and like thinking about it now, I could have been an extra six months ahead if I had just took the leap when I first wanted to do it. Now, obviously there's a little bit of planning and stuff that goes into these things, but um, my advice or what I would say I would do differently is, if whenever I get that gut feeling again that I know that I want to do something, I know that it feels right, I'm not going to sit on it any longer. I'm just going to jump in and do it. Like the 4am collective and this podcast, I didn't think about it too long. I just said, yep, I'm doing it. It feels right. Let's go. Question number three. Advice you would have to, you know, 15, 20-year-old self. Now, it's hard to give me my 20-year-old self advice, so I'll give my 15-year-old self advice. Now, I've said this a lot. I say it all the time on my Instagram, on my YouTube, and it's, I don't know where I got it from, I, I don't know who said it, but it's a quote that I always, always refer to, it is, you will never, ever be judged by someone doing more than you. Now what that means is, people that are more successful have, you know, more accomplishments, do more with their life, they are not, they're never judging people that, you know, have less accomplishments have done less things, have, you know, less success. The only time judgment comes is from when someone is either jealous, they're insecure about themselves or what they've accomplished, um, or they're scared of change and scared of difference or scared of other people overtaking them. So just start. If you have a dream, if you have a passion, if you have something that you want to do, something that, you know, gives you that gut feeling, just start. Try things learn, fail, try them again. Don't be afraid of judgment. The only thing you need to be afraid of is regret. Question number four. Okay, what is your why? Now, this is something I'm going to 
really dive into deep with my guests, but my why, um, it's a few things, I think. For me, there is no bigger, you know, tragedy in life than wasted potential, and I truly, honestly believe that. I'm so scared of not living up to my true potential that I, I feel guilty when I'm not hustling and I'm not grinding, okay? Like, I don't know if there's an afterlife. I don't know if, you know, you come to a junction where you get to look back on your life, but all I know is that if that is if that is true and that does happen, I want to be able to look back on my life and know that I gave it absolutely everything I possibly could and there's nothing that I left on the table. Apart from that, I just want to live a life I love. Like, I want to wake up excited every day. Like, Monday is my favorite part of the favorite day of the week, sorry, because I love what I do so much. And I just want to impact as many people as I possibly can, help change as many people's lives as I possibly can. Um, you only get one life, and, like, I just believe that you're so much better off doing something that you're passionate about. So that's my why. Question number five. What is my definition of success? This is a weird one, and you know it's obviously very different for for every person. But something I've thought about a lot, as I said, I'm obsessed with success. I'm obsessed with greatness. I'm obsessed with people that achieve. Um, and I used to think that you know success was having so much money that there was no difference between your weekdays and your weekends. Meaning, it didn't matter if it was Monday or Saturday. Like you still had enough money to do whatever it was that you love to do. Now, it, my definition of success has changed, but it is still similar. I would say now that my definition of success is loving what you do so much that there is no difference between your weekdays and your weekends. Now, what I mean by this is being so passionate about what you do every single day that what you do for a living never feels like work. And it's weird to say that you know I deem myself successful already because I literally would do what I'm doing Monday through Sunday, three, six, five. Like I love it. I love what I'm doing every single day. And like I'm extremely grateful to be here. Obviously, I have a long, long way to go in terms of success that I want to achieve, but that's what my definition of success is for now. It might change, I'm not sure, but for now, that's what it is. Number six and the final question. What's next for Josh Bermo? For me, obviously, that sounds weird, but what's next for me? Now, like I said, I'm a very goal-driven person. I, I dream big. Um, I have, you know, massive ambition. So these are going to sound probably a little bit outlandish, but it's just it's, these are from the heart, and it's where I want to go. Um, for JBM, I want to help transform 100,000 people's lives. Now, that's a crazy, ridiculous number, I know, but I truly believe that I can get there if I keep working the way that I have. Um, it's a massive goal, but... Like I get nothing more than a kick out of, you know, when I, I speak to my clients and they've lost 10 kilos. Like I, I get, I'm so proud of them that like I, I believe that I'm more proud of them than they are of themselves. So like if I can do that, you know, to a hunt with 100,000 people, that's like, that's what I want. That's what I want to achieve. Now for the podcast, I just want it to be a platform to help people learn and grow. Like I love learning. I love listening to podcasts myself. I love hearing the ideas and the thoughts behind other people. So I want to give people a chance to learn and grow off other people, hopefully to be inspired, um, to want to make a change for themselves. And I also want to give those people that you know I'm interviewing a platform to inspire people and to share their stories and, and to be proud of the things that they've achieved you know, with a little bit of an audience. So 
I have no expectations of this. This is literally a passion project um, in terms of the podcast. I love doing it, love speaking to people. So in terms of expectations, I don't have any, but I just want to, you know, help people learn and grow. For the 4AM Collective, this is one I'm, I'm, I'm like really, really excited about. I, I believe that it can be a massive brand and I believe it can be a, a massive community more than a brand. I want it to be, you know, a brand that people love, not because the clothes are cool, but because it makes them feel a way. It makes, it makes them feel part of a community you know, it makes them it makes them believe in something greater than just a, a clothing brand. You know, I want to undercover the I want to under sorry I want to uncover the undercover hustlers, the people that are the grinders, the ones that aren't fitness influencers, aren't models or whatever it is. Like I want to highlight these people, give these people a platform to showcase who they are, what they believe in, and like I just want to inspire individuals absolute best version of themselves i believe that people don't need to be you know a bodybuilder to love the gym i don't think that you need to be a marathon winner to run all that i'm pushing people to do is be their absolute 100 percent best version of themselves apart from my business you know sort of endeavors and that sort of stuff my my goal my upcoming goal, what's next for me, is just to continue to be the 100% authentic version of myself, you know. I don't hide who I am. I'm, you know, probably different to a lot of fitness content creators. I don't I don't consider myself an influencer. I think I probably have influence, but I'm not an influencer. I, I probably will never be an influencer like that because I'm different, because I don't give a fuck about what I say, um, and I'm not afraid to say it how it is. My clients know this, and I think they appreciate that appreciate it that if you're doing the wrong thing i'll give you the kick up the ass that you need because like i said i know what works um i'm i'm me i'm I'm proud of who i am and that'll never ever ever change the last thing is i just want to continue to learn and grow and be happy you know happiness is the most important thing 200 grand a year making a million grand a year making you know 50 grand a year making it doesn't matter as long as you're fulfilled and you're doing what you love and you're happy. And, and, I'm, and I'm glad that I'm there now and I want to continue to do that. That is pretty much it, guys. Um, thank you so, so much for listening. Um, stay tuned for the next podcast. Um, I'm really, really happy to have you here. If you need any help with anything, make sure you send me your message um, and I can help you guys out in any way that I possibly can. Until next time, thank you very, very much for listening. Um, I hope you're enjoying the Build Different Project.